1: Welcome, welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Bear. We're doing 20 minutes on the 2020 election. We're talking about all kinds of angles here. We'll start with a conversation with a good friend of mine, Boyd Matheson, joins us in studio. He, along with the Deseret News editorial board, recently authored a piece which reads... Uh, Political courage, the missing ingredient for uh, a functional Congress. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Boyd and I kind of share some unique experience in Washington, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to this conversation and exactly how uh, Boyd analyzes things, and we'll trade notes on that. But first, can I say, Boyd, this election season, it's been such a treat for me. To be able to in the mornings shoot the breeze with you, uh, trade notes about you know how we're going to handle each day's show, which races we ought to be looking for, and most importantly, how to maintain sanity. <laughs> I've described it this way: that uh, the past few days, uh, especially yesterday, has been like drinking from a fire hose, and yet at the end of the day, I'm still thirsty. Right. <laughs> and I'm feeling a little bit of that. Uh, a little bit of that today. They've throttled down. They've throttled down the, the pressure a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but it's still coming out of from Still tough to swallow, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and yet, uh, at the end of the day, I still feel uh, thirsty. Yeah. Let me ask you, what are, before we get to this piece, which I'm a yeah. huge fan of this and I don't want to talk about this, but uh, what are you focused on today as we you know move closer towards the end, hopefully the end, yeah. the close, <laughs> soon at hand end, hopefully my fingers are crossed, yeah. of this presidential
2: election? Wh- where are you focused? Uh, to me, it all comes down to Arizona now. Because uh, if you take all the other pieces of the equation, If you take Pennsylvania... Wisconsin, Michigan. Wisconsin will have a recount. I don't think it will change the outcome. Michigan, I don't think anything changes there. Uh, I think the president does hold on in Georgia and North Carolina. So that keeps all the maps steady. Even even with the narrowing margins as, as results have come in today, he holds on? Yeah, I think he holds okay. on to Georgia. Uh, okay. If he doesn't hold on to Georgia, game's over. Right. That that makes it sure. really easy for everybody and nothing for you to talk about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> but, but to me, it really comes down to Arizona. And uh, everyone says, oh, you know, but he's so far behind. Uh, a lot of those, whatever the number is, two hundred and ninety to three hundred and fifty thousand yeah. uh, votes. There, there is actually a path, and and if that isn't there, because for the Biden camp, that's all they have to do is lock Arizona and knock off Nevada, and then Pennsylvania doesn't even matter. Right? They could even concede Pennsylvania and say, we don't need it. We're to two seventy. Sure, quick game's on. over. Yeah, go <laughs> go for it. We're good. Uh, now, if Arizona comes off the board. Uh, then we're right back to where we started on election eve. Remember, we we talked about Pennsylvania is the keystone state and it will be the keystone of this election and it will end up in the courts. uh, And that's where it would end up if Arizona flipped and went to President Trump, because then neither of them would would have enough to get to 270 uh, and uh, it would all come down to uh, to, to Pennsylvania. And so that's the uh, that's kind of what I'm watching today. If Arizona doesn't move, we won't know anything more on Arizona until tomorrow morning. Right. Um, and that may be the the final domino to fall. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. And, and sometimes
1: we'll look at it this way. Since the, the coronavirus has shown up, I have started to believe myself to be something of an armchair epidemiologist <laughs> And every Aren't we four all? Year, yeah, of course. Yeah, we're all experts. And every four or every two years, you know, if you look at the midterms the same way, I become like an armchair statistician. I sit here, uh, here behind the microphone. I've got uh, numbers and yeah. maps and percentages. Oh, here's a list of dollar amounts. Uh, I, I feel I feel much smarter and more studious than I really am. But ultimately, it comes down to counting how many people wanted things which way. Yeah. And that process is a little difficult, and it takes some time. And we'll. Eventually yeah. get there, get it right. But yep. that's only one of the many races which uh, which played out or are playing yeah. out around the country right now. Uh, talk to me about this piece that uh, that you, along with the editorial board, uh, authored. The missing ingredient for functional Congress political courage. That's a phrase of yours. I, I as soon as I saw political courage, I said that's a Boyd Matheson <laughs> fingerprint
2: right there. Yeah, you know, to me, political courage is is not standing up to your enemies. That's easy. It's easy to to call a press conference and yell and rant and scream and and do all of that. Piece of cake. No problem. Anybody can do that. Uh, The real test is can you do that to your friends? Uh, And that kind of political courage of are you willing to do the right thing even if it costs you your reelection? And as you know well from uh, being in the D.C. bubble there, uh, there aren't enough people who are willing to say, yes, I am willing to lose an election in order to do the right thing. Uh, but we have to get Congress to start doing that because the 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 one message out of all of this, whether you're in the Biden camp, whether you're in the Trump camp, uh, the the real message from this thing is there there is no mandate. Exactly right, and if we look at the polls of uh, you know, let's say a week ago,
1: they predicted that there would be first off in, in the, in the Biden Trump battle a landslide yeah. uh, in the direction of of Biden. But let's set that aside entirely, uh, noting of course that they've been way off from the beginning. Yeah. But we'll address that <laughs> a different day, and that industry will have to take a hard look in the mirror and That's see right. what happens in two years from now. Uh, but in addition to that, the polls also seem to indicate that uh, number one in the House that Nancy Pelosi would expand her power by more seats right. flipping to uh, to Democrats, and that, that that there was a very high likelihood, a high likelihood yeah. that the Senate would flip, thus uh, you know changing the changing the trajectory of of the United States Congress. Yeah. Now we have seen exactly the opposite of that take place. <laughs> That's right, exactly yeah. the opposite. Yeah. And no. what does that what does that do to 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 me in my you know layman's analysis uh and having spent a little bit of time out there, <laughs> it kind of forces the power towards the the middle, that's and right. that leads to at least in my estimation and, and looking at the spirit of your right up here uh, a circumstance in which compromise is not yeah. only more likely but one hundred percent fundamentally necessary
2: yeah absolutely and 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 to me, that's the whole key to this thing is that the American people are saying yeah we don't we don't think either party has it right because uh, we 're not going to give anyone the keys to the kingdom, so to speak they 're not going to give uh, one party the House, the Senate, and the white house uh they They want that and because and I think that becomes a different kind of mandate uh it 's not a mandate for somebody who won an election uh it 's actually a reverse mandate it 's a mandate from the country to the people and, and foisted upon not the individual office holders but the institution itself yeah that's right and then we've talked about that that trust in the institution has gone so haywire and a lot of that is because our people that we have elected are treating the institutions not as institutions to be developed and to reinforce trust in they've just become platforms and stages for political parties fundraising and people's own personal agenda so you end up with a, a congress or members that have been elected who are more interested in solving their political problems than they are solving the American people's problems. Uh, and that's what we have to get past. And that does require us to talk across our differences, uh, disagree better, uh, and and get to those kinds of resolutions. And and it, it can be done. We know it can be done. We've seen it done in the country before, uh, but we've been so divided, again, politically. I do not believe for a second that the American people are as divided as you know we get to hear right. uh, all the time. And so they're really calling for that. And so who leads that? Uh, Who's willing to say, yeah, I'm going to call out my friends first. I'm going to call out my political party first, uh, and then we'll see if we can get some others to come along and get some real solutions.
1: So for, for the short time, the responsibility to demonstrate this political courage is you and the editorial board phrase it. Uh, that responsibility falls on to those who currently hold elective office. Yeah. They need to set the example of those who will come after them, because the responsibility uh, w- will shift at, at some point. Yeah. The Responsibility shifts from those who currently hold office to then the voters who are looking for, uh, you know, someone who possesses this yeah. political courage yeah. uh, to then, you know, replace those who are there today or who maybe better represent them or, uh, you know, better represent a
2: an effective. Yeah. Leader. Do you want to hear the triple dog dare of the day? Always, <laughs> always. That's a new segment of so. the program.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, Bruce Ramsey, could you get a sounder for
2: that? Do do do, do, do. the triple dog, the triple dog of the day. dare. So here's the triple dog dare of the you day: know, to the Democrats in the Senate, okay, replace Chuck Schumer as your leader. Ooh. To the Republicans in the Senate, replace Mitch McConnell. It only takes. It would only take twenty five or twenty six members of the Senate of either of those parties, to change that. So let's say Mitch McConnell has a uh, 51—he has 51 members, so he's still the majority leader. It would only take 26 members of the Senate to say, we're done with doing it this way, and you could bring somebody else uh, to be the leader and completely change the conversation on the floor of the United States Senate. The Democrats should do exactly the same. We do not need another couple of years of Chuck Schumer— ranting at Mitch McConnell and Mitch McConnell ranting back at Chuck Schumer, both of them raising millions of dollars that they're going to spread out to, you know, political uh, operatives and campaigns, Uh, we can do better than that. But it would take political courage from the left. It would take political courage from the right to say, yeah, we can do better and we can do different. That's too much, Boyd. There's no (laughs) chance of that. Are you crazy? It's not that. but, But, okay, start thinking through this. Okay. Think through this think of think of 26 current senators who are exhausted by Mitch McConnell you could do it in 37 seconds i guarantee if i gave you a list of all 52 members of the senate from the republican side i guarantee you, you can get to 26 in 37 seconds
1: how do they how do they possibly communicate that with one another how do they possibly sit down and and trust one another that they will going into that uh, you know, do do all you know as the plan is laid out, and I'm talking about both sides. Yeah, because here's the thing: uh, you don't get that one right, and you're ostracized for life. <laughs> now we're now we're talking real politics here. So we've stepped aside from That's the right. courage moment. Remember alone, but... the courage thing. and all <laughs> yeah. comes back to that.
2: the the answer to all the questions is political courage. In the end, would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to take that chance? Uh, and and let's be honest, you know, Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer. Are two sides of the same coin. They're like the two. It's like that blue hair lady that you're driving behind, and she's got her blinker on. There's only one, but she's everywhere. Right. Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer are the same, uh, and they just do it from slightly different angles for different political purposes. But they are one. I mean, they are like Wiley e. Coyote and the and the Roadrunner. They you know they fight it out during the day, and then they're they're done, and they're on the same side in the end. Uh, but someone's got to call for that. And twenty six is not a big number. It is just not a big number. It's totally possible. Fascinating. So that's the triple dog dare of the day. All right. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, off the air, let's put our list together. Okay. And I, we'll, we'll if you, trade if notes afterwards. If you can't do it in thirty-seven yeah. seconds, Lee, you're out. All right. I just I, I could probably do it in twenty-six seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confident you can. A right, little, little political courage. That's all it takes.
1: Uh, very good. Thank you so much. You can find this piece on Deseret.com. I'll also share it on my Facebook uh, page. What's it called? It's the, the Twitter space? My Facebook page. Uh, click on that. Have a look. Uh, enjoy this. Uh, political courage. And, and, and here's a little Boyd Matheson tip. If you ever hear the word political courage, you can be sure that Boyd Matheson wrote it. <laughs> uh, fabulous writer. Also host of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio and opinion editor of the Deseret News. All right, uh, we are continuing our 20 minutes on the 2020 election here in the state of Utah. A number number of fascinating things have transpired over the the past few days. You know, of course, that uh, there is a new governor-elect, lieutenant governor-elect as well. We spoke with Deidre Henderson earlier on the program, another election which... Which is absolutely fascinating to me, because the, the office holder, uh John Frugal-Dougal, is someone who I've known for a, a long, long time. And I, the other day, was just curious, yesterday, as a matter of fact, was curious about uh, how he fared. I, I knew that he had won a re-election uh, by a large, large margin. But then I thought uh, more curiously about the, the numbers itself. And as I pulled up uh, via the lieutenant governor's website, electionresults.utah.gov, and you click and clack your way over to the statewide races, you scroll down, you see that candidate John Frugal-Dougal, Republican state auditor, uh, received in the popular vote 746,184 votes. 746,184 votes. What's interesting about that number? Let me tell you, it is the highest number It's the largest number of votes to be received by a candidate in a race uh, this election cycle. Now, it's not the highest in history. Uh, We'll get into that in just a moment while we speak with uh, John Frugal Dougal, state auditor, uh, who joins me now. Uh, Sir,
0: how are you? I'm well. Yourself?
1: I'm happy. I'm in a good mood today. Uh, I feel like we're making progress in this national, uh, in the presidential election. I think we're getting closer to the finish line on some of the races still outstanding here in the state of Utah. And uh, and I'm eager for some finality. I'm ready for uh, I'm ready for the morning after. Uh, but you, sir. Hey,
0: hey, we're still we're still counting votes.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and I think we're getting closer to the end of those counts. And I'm looking forward to that end. Uh, tell me, I, I uncovered this little interesting tidbit about your race here. Uh, what is it, how does it feel to be the, uh, the highest vote getter in the state of Utah in a race, in a competitive race this year?
0: Oh, it's it's nice this year. I mean, it's one of those races. I recognize that uh, most people vote for president, and then some drop off and vote for governor, and some drop off and vote for attorney general. And and it gets less and less as they go down the ballot. So being partway down the ballot, you know, you always recognize you're not going to get as many votes as those further up in terms of aggregate votes. But it's nice to be recognized for the uh, hard work that me and my team have been doing in the office.
1: Now, you are – you're too humble to to accept this title, but you're something of a a rock star in terms of uh, the position of state auditor. Uh, You could go around, I think, any corner of the state and ask folks if they know who John Frugal Dougal is. Uh, The answer is yes. How is it that that you have – pulled that off as state auditor, a a, a position that if you ask those same people to explain would probably have a a tough time explaining exactly what the roles and duties of auditor might be?
0: Well, one of the key things I did eight years ago was when I uh, campaigned first for auditor was try and make the case of what did the auditor do? Because a lot of folks, even some elected officials, didn't even know we had a state auditor back then. And my key case was the state auditor is a constitutional watchdog trying to make sure your money is being spent legally, efficiently, and effectively. And that's a vision that people can understand and they can buy into.
1: And, and how have you uh, – t- tell me about this Frugal name. H- how is it that Frugal ends up on the ballot?
0: <clears throat> well, well, my dad was Frugal Dougal before I was born, so I've been Frugal Dougal my whole life and stuff like that. I had a friend uh, years ago said, hey, you should use it in your campaigns and stuff like that. And more people know me as Frugal Dougal these days than John, so – so it's just one of those things. People say, did you have to do something special to get it on the ballot? No, it's, I mean, J. Mack, you know, sure. he had his nickname on the ballot. Some guy named, nicknamed Rocky, he was on the ballot. That's right. They weren't on the general, well, I guess Rocky was on the general election as one of those uh, lower-tier presidential candidates. But, you know, this has been something that's happened for years, and since people know me as Frugal Doodle, I just put it on the ballot.
1: Yeah, very cool. Um, I, I told you that uh, yesterday. You and I were texting back and forth as I continued to dug into the, dig into the uh, into the numbers here and, and some of the interesting realities of this uh, seven hundred and forty six thousand one hundred and eighty four votes that you were able to receive in this election cycle. Uh, that uh, eclipses the number of of votes received uh, by by President Trump here in the state of Utah. Uh, it also, if you go back to 2012, you eclipsed the number of votes received by uh, then candidate for president Mitt Romney. Uh, the only one in recent memory that gives you a run for your money it was a uh, was a recent uh, gubernatorial race where uh, where Gary Herbert pulled off about 750 thousand. So you uh, maybe next cycle will be able to eclipse them. Before I let well, you go. We'll
0: have to we'll have to see with canvassing canvassing takes place in a couple weeks. We'll have to see what the final numbers are. Oh, there you go.
1: There's the competitor. Very nice. <laughs> and,
0: and, and I'll note that my great friend, Treasurer Damshen, was only uh, uh, about two thousand votes behind me. So he's up there as well. <laughs>
1: That's right. Yeah. Seven hundred and forty four thousand is where he is right now. Um, let me ask you this. As we move into the, the new year, in all seriousness, tell, tell me about the, the priorities of the office.
0: So priorities include uh, one of the big things we're working on is something we call Project Kids. It's trying to figure out where the money really goes in public ed so folks can determine how well is it being spent. It's the most common question I get asked around the state. And so we're drilling money all the way to the student level so we can roll it up to see what classroom costs are, cost versus performance all across. Folks can compare different schools in terms of spending and performance around the state. So that's something we're excited about. We're also uh, diving into where's the money really going in higher ed we all know the burden of higher ed keeps going up and up and up. And then one of the other uh, key initiatives we're working on is healthcare transparency. If folks go to healthcost.utah.gov, healthcost.utah.gov, they'll see the initial shades of a transparency tool where we'll show the average price per procedure across the state by provider. So we've got 100 procedures right now. We're adding more uh, as we go along. So those are a couple of key things. And then we continue to do the bread and butter work of, of financial audit. Uh, regulatory compliance in terms of local governments and making sure they're they're doing what they're supposed to do at the local level
1: outstanding john frugal dugal thank you for your time congratulations on your electoral victory You will remain uh next year state auditor uh, john frugal my guest thank you thanks so much all righty we're gonna take a break when we come back plenty more ahead on live mike i'm lee Berry, and this is ksl
0: news radio
2: two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night